With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. If you get lucky, you might hear an ad about dick pills. Wait, so we can make jokes about the ad breaks here? (laughs) I thought we have to, like, take those seriously. I didn't know that we could do that. We'll be right back. Hey, I I I don't know. I I think we can do a serious cut into it, too. Can I plug my OnlyFans site, then? Welcome, welcome, everybody, to Let's Get Weird Sports Podcast. I know it has been a while since we've gotten weird with y'all, and it's been so long that I have actually attended a live sporting event. What's that all about, Paul? Wow. You know, this this may catch on. This this could be a trend, attending live sporting events. It was, uh, it was still strange because I covered some high school football back in the fall, but the last game I did was October. And for me, not going to a single basketball game for an entire season at any level, high school, college, or pro – if you had told me that I was going to do that for an entire season, I would have asked you exactly when I went into the coma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's weird. Um, as of this recording, the last time I was at a sporting event um, was March 7th, Penn State at Northwestern Basketball. Although um, Larry uh, and I went to a Chicago dogs game last summer. Oh yeah. Now. Yeah. I mean, I guess, yeah, I would say that counts. I mean, they gave us great seats, you know, with those minor league teams, like you can do that pretty well. It's easy because it's social distancing in normal times anyway. Or if you go to a Marlins game, you beat me to the punch there. I was about (laughs) to say the white Sox. (laughs) They've been social distancing since before it was cool. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that because I've already got some tickets for summer games this year. And then uh, when we're finally able to go down to Miami again to see my mother-in-law, we're definitely going to go to a Marlins game. And honestly, it's not going to be any different from every Marlins game. I've been to a Marlins game on opening day. Those were the largest crowds that I've seen at Marlins Park or Lone Depot Park, excuse me i got to use the proper terminology now. Oh, my God. It sold out its name? Yeah, finally they got a corporate sponsor. I was hoping it would be like Gatorland Zoo Park or something. Uh, I Personally, I'm wanting it to be Gnocchi Barato Park, but that, that's a very, very, very niche reference, and you have to live in the Miami area to know what Gnocchi Barato is. So. We don't speak of the state of Florida in this podcast. Gnocchi uh, Barato is translated literally to, shit, that's cheap. And they have absolutely everything you can possibly imagine there. Available. You can get, like, the Guayabera. You can get the all-white linen suit. You can get the Vata de Casa. You can get a laptop computer for $100. Sure, it probably has Windows 95 on it. 
I, I believe they literally have a daycare on site. You could get your marriage license there. You can get your divorce papers there. They have everything you need. It is like a redneck Cuban Walmart. It is freaking amazing. And if anybody ever goes to Miami, they need to visit this place. It is required. I love it. It is fantastic. I I would hit that place up. That The more you describe it, the more interested I am in going. One of these times I'm going to get the white linen suit without Liz knowing. <laughs> Unless you're Tom Wolf or the hip hop 90s hip hop star Mace, I'm I'm not sure a white suit can ever be pulled off by anybody. I can pull it off. I'm a fashion trendsetter. Uh you are the Midwest Pitbull. What what can we say? Dale. <laughs> But speaking of social distancing and staying in crowds apart, we're going to be talking tonight about a couple of weird things. It's really a bit of a hybrid topic, if you will. We're going to start off with some spring football. And not so much in the, oh, yes, where this player's looking good or whatnot. It's the spring football of, okay, why the hell are we doing this? Why, why is this marketed? Thank you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you want a podcast that is about, well, the the second string offensive guard position battle is looking like this, and, um, you know, quarterback blah, 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 took the reps of the first string and practice number four, then you can go elsewhere. Because um, the thing is, like, spring football practice does matter to the team and the players and the coaching staff, and that is the only human beings it should matter to. Like... I don't at me, don't whatever me on this, but how much your community gets into spring football, like how high the attendance for the spring, because it's not a spring game. They call it a spring game. It's an inter-squad scrimmage. How good the attendance is for that scrimmage is inversely related to what there is to do and where you live. I, I kind of like spring football, but I'm a little bit weird in that. And I think it's because Purdue doesn't make a huge difference. Uh, deal about it they're like yeah you can come out to the spring game it's free you just walk in and it's nice because it's usually one of the first nice days after all after winter and everything so it's like oh get to go outside um my pale hide gets sunburnt because uh you know i look at the sun and catch fire <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah you go to spring football it's kind of nice you just enjoy the family it's very laid back it's very relaxed and whatnot but in terms of, like, the competitive nature of it and whatnot, I know one of the things that does turn people off is you really don't know what the scoring is sometimes. I know a lot of the schools try to have the traditional spring game where they pick pick teams and whatnot. But there have been a number of times with Purdue, it's like the, well, we don't have enough healthy offensive linesmen to do this. So we're going to uh, have the modified stable for Duchess of Queens Queensbury scoring system and it just gets confusing at that point. Yeah, I mean that's a huge thing. Like my issue so much isn't with spring football, it's the idea of of all these RSNs and all these league-owned TV networks. They have to throw something on TV so they do this. It's the idea of of hyping it up and marketing it as if it's a big thing and it's not a spectator sport. It's just not like rebrand the spring game as family fun fest or fan fest and a chance to come, you know, see the team play sort of in a quasi way, quasi see, see, see the team play for free. And that's, and that's fine. And, um, I tried watching the game 
you know, Illinois is like Monday night football. It was the first time Illinois had allowed some fans in for a revenue sport, right? maybe even for a sport since the pandemic began. They did actually have band cheerleaders, pom-poms, like it had the soundtrack of football. Uh, the tickets they gave away went pretty fast. People wanted them, but um, I don't know. After like 20 to 25 minutes, I'm like, I can't listen to Jay Lehman. And, you know, this is stupid. This is kind of boring. But um, anyway, I, I did the Bielema media Zoom call heading into that. And I asked him about that very topic of scoring and what goes into it. And, you know, I, I liked his answer. I I, I, I think Bielema is a big step up from Lovey when it comes to the talking game. And he said, I just try to play good old American football and I try to not think about it too much and try to have a game. And what they did was orange was the first stringers. Their points counted for normal. Blue was the second stringers. And their the first stringers counted normal. The second stringers, their points counted double. That was pretty much it. And the rest was kind of. And then, of course, the white team are the non-contact guys. Um, but every school does it different. Every program does it from year to year. It's different and it's impossible to keep up with. And that takes a lot of the fun out of it. There's always the whole inherent risk of you see players get injured in this and it ends up being at costing him a season too, because even with the relaxed spring football, you know, these guys aren't going, you know, 100% all out. And a lot of the teams are having, Oh, this player had minor surgery. So of course they're not playing. But inevitably, you get some guy that gets hurt. I know there was one year where DJ Knox tore his ACL in the spring game, and it's like, oh, great. You know, six months before the season, we just lost our starting running back. That's fantastic. Yeah, exactly. Mikey Duda got hurt at least once in the spring for the season, I think maybe twice. A lot of times, and what you're watching are like backup backups, and the idea that 90,000 people in Ohio would show up for it and pay 10 to $15 to do so is is ridiculous. I think part of that comes from the affordability of it though, because you have Ohio state and their tickets are insanely expensive. They have the wait list and whatnot. And so it's kind of a design of, Hey, this is more affordable to quote, see the Buckeyes, if you will, than just going to their, even their regular game against directional Ohio. There's also something to be said about, you know, call me old school, call me old timer, Maybe this is get off my lawn, but football, it, it's a fall thing. It's an autumn thing. Like I, I remember during a spring semester at U of I writing a column for the daily Illini, which was, this is the Kirk Kittner era. And like, it was just basically, Oh, we have a passing game for the first time since the 1980s and reminiscing about when Illinois would crank out these pro quarterbacks over and over again. And a classmate said to me, KS, spring football ks football americano de la premier no he's he's like he's like why are you writing about football he said to me he's like what the hell there's no spring football well and, and th this year obviously is different you have as you said that illinois had their monday night football game i don't know if purdue even had so much as a scrimmage i saw that they were doing practices and everything but there was no traditional spring game for a second year in a row and honestly, I didn't even think about it until the other day. I was like, oh, yeah, are we having a spring game or not? But there was nothing there. Yeah, Northwestern's the same. Um, Northwestern's not doing this year. I remember going to one a few years ago where there was like a tornado warning or a tornado watch, and it cleared the stadium. Eventually, the weather 
got a lot better and they started playing again. No one came back. Pat Fitzgerald said the exact one year he said, we don't have enough offensive linemen to play that are healthy. Exactly what you had said before. And I don't know. I kind of applaud that. I mean, Northwestern never drew a lot of people for their spring scrimmages. And, you know, I mean, you could even say don't don't hold it for that reason. Like, why? Why open the stadium? Why pay people? Why it's a losing venture? And that's fine, too. And, and I've seen it both ways because I know, like you said, weather can be a factor. There was one year where Purdue, we got up there to go and they called it off. And they ended up playing the scrimmage behind closed doors in the Mollenkopf. Uh, which is our indoor practice facility. And then uh, the other interesting thing is here, I just saw there will be, a, uh, like, breaking news just now. Uh, <laughs> there will actually be a uh, public viewing for Purdue great Leroy Keyes. He passed away the, earlier this week, and there will be a public viewing in Rossade Stadium this Saturday from 9 to noon. <laughs> It's interesting that they're still going to be doing that in a public venue like this, but there was no spring football either. And obviously, the passing of Keys, he's a Purdue legend and everything, is uh, is a huge factor in that. But it's interesting that they're doing that, but no game. Yeah, that that is interesting. You know, it, the fact that we're talking about um, a big man who left us and passed away this year, that actually brings me to one of my favorite spring game moments of any program. And that would be the unveiling of the new Purdue Pete. No, the, the Irish chocolate play (laughs) Lewis Nix, Lewis Nix. Anytime you get a 300 pound man scoring a touchdown, not sure what he passed away of. He was only 29. The details were kind of omitted on that privacy concerns. But I remember when he had the Irish chocolate touchdown I have to look up what the play was, and I know this sounds like something that would get censored out and deleted, but I i did not make this up. This is true. In the blue and gold game one year, Notre Dame ran a play that was called the Drunken Irishman. Nice. And for the life of me, I don't remember what it was, but I remember that it existed, and these are the two things that I ever remember about any Notre Dame spring scrimmage ever. <laughs> Wow. I mean, how many I've been to or, you know, even the ones I didn't go to, maybe I looked at it. Those are the only two things I could even tell you about. I can't tell you who won or, you know, I can't tell you if Dane Christ had 300 yards passing or whatever. Uh, The the biggest ones that I can remember are, uh, like I said, DJ Knox tearing his ACL. And then um, we got the reminder that 10 years ago this week was when Purdue – decided that they were going to replace Purdue Pete with a new design, and it lasted all of, like, three days. Why? Was there a backlash or something? Oh, goodness, yes. And uh, I I know Juan, our former producer and uh, scientist out in California, uh, I believe he said that even Morgan Burke found out, our athletic director, at, like, a softball game that this was going to go down, and even he was upset about it. And Morgan Burke never got upset about anything. (laughs) <laughs> but there was such a backlash to it that I think by the following Tuesday, they're like, yeah, we're going to uh, maintain the the same Pete. So they ended up wasting a couple of thousand dollars doing this. <laughs> Did he, um, was he like Clark? Did he not have pants on? 
Because that could be a problem. They wanted a traditional Santa Claus with pants. Well, it was it was weird because it, he had a silver helmet, and he was more he had the more muscular build as opposed to the just regular guy build in a uniform. And I think the craziest thing was the just dead emotionless look on his face as opposed to the current Pete, which is the uh, I'm going to, you know, kill your family in your sleep look. <laughs> which is what you want in a mask, God. Well, of course. I mean, but yeah, that, that, those are the two biggest things that I remember uh, about spring football and the only notable things. Uh, oh, I guess I should say that one of the cooler things that I do remember of spring football I, this goes way back the first time i went to spring football was my senior year at purdue and they were giving away it was the same day as the nfl draft and they were basically putting the uh, picks as they came through up on the scoreboard because uh, noted football enthusiast drew Brees was getting drafted that day in some point you know that that kid may go up and he, he may do something someday in the league yeah he, he might I, I hope it worked out for him I, I don't know anything else that's happened for the guy that's a good point i remember one year i remember one year the northwestern spring game was the same weekend as a draft and it gave i mean when i did the when i did the the pat fitzgerald press call i just talked about draft stuff i didn't get into that and you can just be like, he's a high motor guy. Shows up every day. <laughs> well, we, we can't forget the Look random spring game heroes where you'll inevitably have like the sixth string walk on running back who just goes nuts because, you know, the top two guys are getting rested and the next two promising freshmen are only get a handful of carries, but somebody's got to play. And so you'll have the sixth string walk on. It's like, oh, he had. 17 carries for 130 yards. He might be a dark horse to play. What is it? What's his background? Well, it turns out he was from rural Alaska and played a high school game against actual bears at one point. <laughs> That's true. I mean, you know, Juno Central High is there. They, they can be a powerhouse. They're, they'll sniff. You know, when you take on. <laughs> Anchorage Northwest Catholic, there um some some great sleeper prospects have come out of there. <laughs> that concludes the extent of my knowledge of Alaskan cities. Gnome, that's the third one. <laughs> but but yeah. honest okay, there's for me, I think there is one man out there who did spring football right, and he's a man who it's much maligned. He had his run, and now he is no longer within our conference. But I think he did one thing that was that. There's two that really stand out in my mind. He's a guy that was at a traditional Big Ten power, and he now coaches at a mid-major. Bo Pelini. Oh, well now. Yeah, I remember. You know when the when the tape came out where Bo Pelini was cursing out the reporters and saying all this with his temper and some of his defenders were like hey you know well here's this year where he let this little sick kid run a play and score a touchdown in the spring game I thought that was wonderful but the moment I'm talking about is as we have cats as guest hosts on this show the famous 
Kitty Polini moment when oh, he came yeah. out of came out of the tunnel and he Lion King the cat and you know held it up for all forty thousand or whatever. Right, I forgot he did that. And it led to my finest Big Ten Media Day moment ever. It was at the Hilton Towers that summer, so it was it was a few months after that. And I asked him like an actual legit question about Randy Gregory in the ballroom session, but I prefaced the question with a joke question. My first part was how is the cat doing? Did the cat come to Chicago with you? Mm-hmm. And the great part of that was when I read like all the, cause you know, a lot of people do, they do the same BS, like highlights of media day, best sound bites or notes and quotes for media day, like roundups, every single one that I read from every outlet led with the cat. And it was funny. Cause it was like, you know, I did ask him an actual question too, but no one cared about that. They only cared about because, because Bo played along. Because he said, the cat is up in my hotel room. It's resting, sleeping, and enjoying Chicago. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Well, speaking of enjoying Chicago, that gives us a chance to give a word from our sponsors. And I would like to give a shout-out to our sponsor, Benny's Beverage Depot. Benny's Beverage Depot. For when you're watching college football in the spring, and you just want to get blackout drunk outdoors for the first time in months. Well, that does make watching spring football more enjoyable, sure. (laughs) But seriously, though, we have some fine sponsors. And we're back. And unfortunately, we're not actually sponsored by Penny's Beverage Depot, but I really wish that we were because, as we were discussing in the break... Benny's is just an outing, really. They they have such great selection and everything. So, but while we're talking about state of Illinois liquor stores, uh, we're ready to transition to the second half of our topic today, and it's somewhat spring football adjacent. We're going to be talking metric spring football, and one of the few things that barely la- one of the few things that Rick Pitino was able to last longer than was the European Super League. <laughs> Um, my publisher of, of my book today said, you know, I think you're going to have to do something about the Super League and throw it in there. So and I'm like, well, OK, it's over now. So that's perfect. So it'll be easy for me to write up. But in the intro, I said the Super League outlasted Britney Spears's first marriage. Oh, wow. That because that was 55 hours she was married before it was annulled. So this thing is officially dead now, right? Yes. The Juventus chief said it cannot go forward. Um, I believe all the Spanish teams have pulled out. Maybe Real Madrid has not, but they only had 12 sign on. The Germans, I I know the Germans were recruited and they were said no, but then there's reports thinking that maybe Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund would sign on. They thought they would get PSG. That So that never happened. They only had 12. Just to reset here, European Super League was a coalition of England's big six. Manchester United, Manchester City, Liverpool, Tottenham Hotspur, Arsenal, Chelsea, plus Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid, and Barcelona in Spain's La Liga. And in Italian Serie A... 
Juventus, Inter Milan, and AC Milan tried to establish was a midweek competition, a tournament that would rival or perhaps uh, lead to the end of the Champions League. Now, all of these teams that did this, they wanted to stay in their domestic leagues. And the domestic leagues were saying, if you pull this crap, we're kicking you out. So we're not having it. And then UEFA, that's the governing body of Europe. They run the Champions League. Um, And then just, you know, just to reset for everyone else, the Champions League is like the NCAA tournament in that it's a tournament where the better teams go from each different conference. And then they also run the Europa League, which is like the NIT, which is the second tier kind of thing. So UEFA was trying to shut this down. Um, It was just a total mess. And I handed in the final edit of my manuscript the day before this broke. And I looked at this thinking like I would have to rewrite so much. But I also thought, well, this is such garbage. No one's going to stand for this. And I don't think it will actually ever happen. And here we are. It didn't even last three days. And that is on that is a big W for us as normal everyday people and as fans, because it's rare for the fans to fight big business and it's even rarer for the fans to win. And that's exactly what they did. This is the European Super League was something that no one and absolutely no one except for the owners of this of these big clubs wanted. The players didn't want it. The managers didn't want it. It, It's just, it's so rare to see everybody agree on something. And it's so strange because they kind of already have it with the Champions League. These teams are in the Champions League year in and year out. I know like Manchester United, because by virtue of, well, sucking in the regular season the last couple of years, has been down in the Europa League quite a bit it's still like the highest of the high you you get to the final eight of the champions league and usually it's seven of these teams that are going to be in it anyway and that would have been in this in the super league anyway it's always real madrid it's always barcelona excuse me (laughs) uh it's always like juventus and uh, Liverpool has been up there of late, of course, and PSG, the we're going to lose in the quarterfinals team every year, and of course Bayern München, but you, you already had it. It's like, okay, so they, they want to lose the risk of losing to Porto. Ooh, wow, congratulations. Yeah, it was, it was just the idea that, um, and it was funny when the news broke, uh, there were matches happening, and... Arsenal, who sit in ninth place, and you have to be in top four to make it. They were losing to Fulham at the time, and Fulham's going to get relegated. They're, I think, 17th or 18th. United was, United ended up winning, but they were tied with Brighton. That's lower table at the time. Um, the idea is just basically killing the concept of meritocracy accountability responsibility it's that we could go to the champ like this new 
bastardization of the Champions League, this new mutant strain of the Champions League, we can go to it regardless of where we finish, even though we already do finish typically high up. It's like saying, yeah, we're the richest, most powerful clubs, and we do get that sweet, sweet Champions League payout. I believe it's around 50 Last year was like 50 million pounds. Check your conversion rate. That's probably like 65, 70 million you get for going to it. Mm-hmm. And they just said, no, well, then we'll we'll keep the rest of the money. And, you know, it, it led to a lot of great jokes over the weekend when Liverpool took an early lead on Monday. And someone said Liverpool is getting closer to qualifying for a competition that they're already in. <laughs> And then Jose Mourinho was sacked by Tottenham the day after the announcement. And it's like, Jose Mourinho, the one and only Super League manager to ever be fired. <laughs> well, especially since Art, you can also backdoor into the Champions League, too. Because remember, Arsenal can get, get that uh, get in by winning the Europa League this year. Yeah, that's right. And United got in one year. They finished sixth because they won the Europa League. And... And then if you get bounced from the Champions League, you can go down to the Europa League. I mean, the system is already set up to favor the big boys as it is. And it was a matter of they just wanted more. It it just really struck a chord with people because the concept of promotion and relegation and, you know, someday, I mean, mean, United are going to finish second. Pretty, it seems pretty certain they'll finish second. And they lost to Sheffield United, who are one of the worst Premier League teams in history. They're already relegated, and they're way down there. And Leicester City, 2016, 5,000 to one shot, won the title. And two years before that, they were even in another division down. So you start this idea of taking away where, you know, you, you make it a participation trophy because, you know, everybody made the joke. What a, lot, a lot of people made jokes about college football, and that's true because it's a great natural analogy. And I saw, like, Arsenal and Tottenham in this thing would be what Oklahoma and Notre Dame are in the playoff. Except for, you know, Oklahoma and Notre Dame can make the playoff. I mean, Tottenham Tottenham has never even won the Premier League. They haven't won the title since, what, King Henry VIII was on the throne? Yes, yeah, so the Victorian era. Maybe... Maybe William Pitt the Elder was... Lord Palmerston! Pitt the Elder! <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, they, they last won it in 1961. They did have a great Champions League run. Um, they they the got to the final where they lost to Liverpool, right? but, but they have not won a trophy of any sort since 2008. Could they win, like, the second cup this year, the League Cup? Oh, yeah, like the Junior Varsity Cup. Yeah, that's Sunday. And, um, yeah, they play City in the final on Sunday. Yeah, and I'm sure that some of our listeners out there are just completely and utterly lost with all these different competitions and cups and everything. It, if you're uh, – and related to this, if you're one of the top, top, top European teams, you can end up playing in, I think it's five competitions over the course of a single season – because in England they have the League Cup, which is uh, which is limited to the top four 
uh, leagues on the pyramid. And then you have the FA Cup where, in theory, Bob's Pub from Worcestershire no, upon Tyne can go all the way to the final and win it. <laughs> it would probably be like Harry's and Emma's Pub because every fourth male in Britain is named Harry and every fourth woman is named Emma. But but yes, they have the FA Cup, which think of the FA Cup in relation to baseball as if every tiny team across the entire country could get into one all-in tournament and win or take all each round goes along and the major league teams didn't come in until like the last four or five rounds or whatnot, but it has as many as like, what, seven, eight hundred teams in it? Oh, it's insane. We had this year saw the biggest lopsided match ever it was Tottenham at this time. Tottenham was actually top top of the table. Table is what we call standings. Um, Tottenham is actually in first place in the fall, like even into December. But around this time, they were top four and they played something called Marine, which is maybe the fifth or sixth biggest club in the Liverpool area. And it was like number five versus number 160 or something. And it was really cool because they, it was at their place and some guy who lives next door to the ground can just watch it on his yard. <laughs> yeah, Cause couldn't he, couldn't he basically climb under his roof? Pretty much like they're, they're just, I don't even know how many people probably seats like two or 300 they put a shot on the crossbar early, so they came close to taking a lead. That's that's one of your competitions, and then you have the Premier League itself, which I wish this would have been the one year to do it. I wish the Big Ten had gone with a Premier League-style schedule for basketball this past year of 26 games, complete round robin, everybody plays everybody else twice, once at home and once on the road. Yeah, screw non-conference. They should have just done that. You know that that would have been this would have been the year to do it, and and then you have the Champions League or the Europa League, depending on what you qualify for. Which there's now going to be a third European league. I didn't know if you knew that. The Club World Cup? No, the the Club World Cup is if you win the Champions League and you go to it. So it takes like two years to qualify for the Club World Cup. There there's going to be a league below the Europa League. No, this is news to me. I, I actually didn't know this. So it's like a CBI or a CIT? Yeah, it's the Europa Conference League. And wow, I'm I'm sure Real Valladolid and VFL Wolfsburg are gonna are gonna dominate this thing. Well, it's because the Europa League itself will be reduced from 48 to 32 teams at the group stage, and then. Uh, it's pretty much like give clubs from lower ranked UEFA members a chance to progress to later stages as opposed to consistently getting knocked out by uh, Athletic Bilbao in <laughs> Borussia Mönchengladbach. Borussia Mönchengladbach. Yeah, just Gladbach went deep in the in um <clears throat> Champions League recently, they did pretty well. But, oh, yeah, actually, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because that goes to show you just how massive this story was that had the European Super League had such reverberations all over the world and dominated news cycles because it totally overshadowed what set it off in the first place. And that was 
they made their announcement hours before UEFA made their changes to their competitions. And that was obviously one. I mean, I knew, I knew they were going to expand it to, um, I knew they were going to expand the field for champions league, but I didn't know that they were going to add a third tier competition. And, all that got lost in the shuffle of this. Yeah, it sounds like the conference league could be pretty cool, and it's because you're still managing. That's the other tricky thing about the Champions League and UEFA and whatnot is they're not just managing sports leagues from one country. I believe it's across 54 countries are official members of UEFA. From yeah, that sounds about right. From you know, obviously Russia, the largest country on the planet, to San Marino and Andorra, each have football associations, and they even participate in World Cup qualifying. That's right, Otis. I, I'm surprised by you too. Yeah, Otis is just like you talked. You didn't talk about League A, or he's like he's Otis is contributing tonight. <laughs> What is this like? You didn't talk about AS Monaco, the team of the Principality, my favorite side. Yes, well, they're they're in Ligue 1. Ligue 1 is it? Ligue 1. And then you have uh, Serie A, which is the top Italian league. And of course, and, one of my favorite ahead. teams to USA is Shakhtar Donetsk. <laughs> yeah, where are? I forgot where they are. They're in Donetsk. They're Ukraine. Ukraine is game to you? Oh, Ukraine is strong. Ukraine not weak. Ukraine strong. Remember, their their national anthem is Ukraine has not yet perished and has been parenthetical despite the best efforts of the Russians and the Germans. Oh, man, I feel sorry for them. So, and a lot of people also don't realize that the, the Champions League... The the Champions League they think of it as the the thirty two group uh, the thirty two team eight groups of four and everything else which that's where you get all the lucrative money and everything they still have qualifying from each of the different associations and countries throughout where you can have the San Marino winner reach the Champions League which would be a dream for them because then like Barcelona and Real Madrid. Or, or Real Madrid, depending on the group stage, would have to go and play at his dinky-ass little San Marino stadium. No, it, it, uh, Yeah, it's great. I mean, Atalanta, which sounds like somebody's typo for Atlanta, they made it to... Did they make it to the final four last... Yeah. I think they either made it to the final eight or final four last year, and they're, you know, typically a mid-to-lower-table Italian side. And then United lost to something called Istanbul Basaksehir. Basaksehir, yeah. I, I hope I'm pronouncing it right. Uh, I mean, I'm looking at all the teams that were in the Champions League this year, and even in the you know you have your preliminary rounds and your early qualifying rounds. There's there's some just great names, and this goes. I mean, you can play in Reykjavik, Iceland, or you can play in. Whatever the capital of uh, Kazakhstan is. I, I just know that they have the best potassium. <laughs> All other Central Asian countries have inferior potassium than Kazakhstan. <laughs> but yeah, you, you have something called the Young Boys, which was a Swiss champion. You have Dynamo Zagreb. And, and I love the Dynamo, Dynamo or Lokomotiv or 
metallurgist <laughs> from the old uh, Eastern Bloc countries. They're, they're, they're fantastic. Uh, yeah, there's so many great names. Red Star, Belgrade, Siska, <laughs> Moscow, TSG, Hoffenheim. <laughs> Which, um, I, I club Bruges. Was it TSG Hoffenheim, like the level four club in Germany that some billionaire bought and was like, all right, I'm just going to sink a bunch of money into this and buy players and uh, work our way up to the Champions League. That sounds like pretty much the business model of a lot of, I, I believe it. I mean, I don't, you could be right. I'm not sure, but that's, that's what a lot of owners are doing. I mean, well, that's it, what the, this was about because you had these sugar daddy owners and the ringleaders of this thing, most of them were Americans. And, you know, in America, sports are, you know, owners will say, hey, you know what? We want a new stadium. We want the city to pay for it. Oh, you're not going to do it? Well, we're going to go get up and move, and we're going to go to a city that will. And that would never happen in Europe. Mm-hmm. So this is the closest thing they could try to do with that. And, and see, that relates to our early topic with spring football because – of course it's related to this. I mean, there's been talk of, oh, well, Alabama and Ohio State and USC and Notre Dame should just get together and form their own conference, but we already kind of have that, really. I mean, even at the FBS level, which is separated from FCS, there's a clear line of demarcation between the Power 5 schools and the Group of 5 schools. I mean... How many have successfully made that jump into the Power Five, even with all the conference realignment? The only ones I can really think of are TCU and Utah. There's, it's not that. That's, I mean, there's a lot of reasons I hate recruiting and I don't get into it, but that's one thing is I hate this idea of like, oh, Alabama's got the number one class and Ohio State's got the number two class. It, it just kind of reinforces the rich get richer and it perpetuates the cycle and all of that, all of that. Um, publicity and all of that attention just keeps it going and then they stay there and then yeah what who does break through that's why you know if you were to redo college football right now there is no damn way purdue would be a major conference team none but we're kind of grandfathered in because well we started the big 10 it was our president that got everybody together back in like 1896 and was like, Hey, we should get together and form this athletic conference. So it's like, okay, we get the grandfather clause. We get to stay around and keep cashing the checks. There's something to be said for what we have now. Cause I remember reading an article, even on ESPN.com and ESPN is totally in bed with the playoff. Like they're not even, there's no firewall between the two really. And even on ESPN, it said, this is boring and stale. Because we knew who was going to get in, and that's who got in. And that is what makes such a great natural analogy to European soccer in that, for the most part, Juventus always wins Italy. Bayern Munich is going to win Germany for the ninth straight time. PSG has won, I don't know, seven of the last eight or six. Like, they almost always win. In Spain, it's pretty much one of two teams, although Atletico – you know, sneaks in there once in a while. Or as, as they can be called, fake Madrid, since you have Real Madrid. <laughs> <laughs> I always, you know, whatever's like, Atletico, for all your sporting needs. I'm like, oh, I didn't know Atletico also sells ace bandage wraps here in the state. <laughs> fake Madrid, I love it. 
But <laughs> you mentioned it's like the Premier League really is one of the few that at least has some parity. Yeah, they've got a big six, really. And then you had Leicester come through. And at least Leicester has been competitive. It's They're not totally just a one-hit wonder because they made the Europa League for this year. And they've got a real shot of making the Champions League this year. And they're not um, – the Forbes list came out, and it was the big six were all in the top ten richest clubs in the world. But West Ham, Leicester, and Everton were in the top 20. So sorry, Leicester. You're not, you're, you're not kids anymore. You're not a cute little underdog. No, they, they were at one point. I mean, their well, yeah, they were very recently, yes. Still pretty, still pretty impressive. I, I could get behind it. I, I, in researching the book, I found this um, – the ultimate – freezing cold take at old takes exposed it was arlo white the voice of the premier league arlo white was it was the first year they were coming up and he said and they just signed this man from the championship jamie vardy and he said (laughs) you know he could be a decent player probably not a national team guy or anything special but keep an eye on him he he might be all right And now he's he's, one of the better players in the entire world. He's only the leading scorer. And it's like not a national team player. Harry Kane's always hurt. He's their main striker whenever Kane's injured. (laughs) So I thought it was a great freezing cold take. I don't know. But yeah, it's. It is interesting, and there is that just that natural parallel there. It's like I don't have you for ninety five percent of major college football. It's got to be mind blowing to know that an undefeated season still may not be enough to reach the playoff. I mean, look at what happened to Cincinnati this year, and look at what's happened to Central Florida, and look and you know Boise State all these years. It's they. They would have. They have to be more than perfect somehow. You have to be perfect, and you have to get the good luck of some of the blue bloods going down. I mean, we we enter most. I I rail against the NBA because it doesn't have any parity, but college football is the same. I mean, you enter the season. Okay, well, the the three of the four playoff teams are going to be Ohio State, Clemson, and Alabama. And then who's going to join him? Right, exactly. And, you know, what you're kind of talking about there with, you know, how TCU broke through, how how Boise State moved up. Um, in order to, to climb the polls, that means you have to start out in the bullshit poll that comes out in August pretty high. So if you're a plucky mid-major or, you know, or a group of five, you know, I guess they're called – People have to think your recruiting class is really good, and they ha- you have to have guys returning. You had to have been good last year so that you already have a good starting point so you can climb up. That's your only hope. And it's kind of sad in that no matter what has happened from um, – we're old enough to remember when the national champion was crowned a week after – a Fiesta Bowl game by like UPI and AP voters. And then it was the BCS after, you know, people got sick of the split national dual national championships. Then it was the BCS. Now it's the playoff. But at the end of the day, it's always about someone getting screwed and someone getting left out. 
and how do you even solve it? Do you do a playoff expansion? Do you what do you do? You even have look at Ohio State. They have not won a big. They have not lost a Big Ten game since they got Rondale Moore in 2018. Yeah, it's such a joke. Like I, I was telling. I think it was Juan actually when I made jokes about Michigan being a basketball school and Juan's like, it's always been a basketball school. And I'm well, yeah, kind of, but for his generation, sure. But I remember like the Woody and Bo 30 for 30 or whatever documentary it was. And I sort of remember big two little eight. And when the game meant something and Michigan was on par and now, now it's a freaking joke. And, and it, I mean, it's to the point where you look at those big three of, Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State, for the most part, they can even lose a game and they're not that affected by it. I know that Ohio State was a little bit different because, number one, they lost to Purdue and it wasn't, I mean, it was a decent Purdue team, but it was a Purdue team that had lost to Eastern Michigan at home just a few weeks before that. And also the margin, so it's just the, okay, if you lose your one game, and as long as you don't lose it by too bet too much, you're fine. And what they're they're those are the only three that really can say that. Yeah, I mean, after Notre Dame got blown out again, as we all knew they were going to do, because they got blown out in the ACC title game the week before. Um, you know, Brian Kelly said after the Bama game, "Don't anybody go jumping off of ledges." You know, we'll get back here. We promise you we'll get back here. And I'm just like, uh, no, no, it's, it's not the getting there that's the problem. It's what you do when you get there. Mm-hmm. It's 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 anyone. The point of a reservation is to hold the reservation. Anyone, anyone can just take the reservation. It's holding it that matters. Right. And so the playoff has been around since 2000. 14. It, it's just absurd because you have Alabama's been in there six times. They're eight and three. Clemson's been in there six times. They're six and four. So that's six of the seven playoffs have had either Clemson or Alabama, have had Clemson and Alabama in it. Ohio State, four appearances. Oklahoma, four appearances. Out of those and then- four, out of those four schools, only three others have even won a playoff game. LSU, who won two in their undefeated season, and then Oregon and Georgia are the only other ones that have won a playoff game. And the list of just who even has made it is ridiculous. You've, yeah, I mean, just think the only Michigan, the, the only Big Ten team to ever make it other than Ohio State is Michigan State. And they were undefeated, and they got drilled for their trouble, too, by Alabama. Exactly. And then, you know, you get to something where you get, like, an all-Southern title game. That's kind of boring. None of us here really want to watch that. Um, This year, you had the potential. It didn't happen, but you had the potential to have a team, two teams play each other three times in one year because Notre Dame and Clemson. And I don't know if that has ever happened or if it happened back in the antiquities, but. Maybe, yeah, maybe it happened when, like, Chicago Dental School played Shakhtar the Donetsk. Providence Steamrollers or something. Shakhtar Donetsk. Shakhtar Donetsk, yeah. 
PSV Eindhoven. <laughs> well, I, I'm a big fan of FC Union Berlin. The Eisen Union. Yeah, you know, these names are they're so fun to say, like Villarreal and... Uh, Oh man, like just just go go down the table, look at like the Serie A table and like look at the crests or go down the, the Bundesliga table and look at Well let's let's not forget when uh Diego Maradona was playing for Napoli FC who had a superhuman ability to inhale large amounts of well, let's face it, cocaine, party for eight days, and then go and play soccer, high-level soccer for 90 minutes. Yeah, I would strongly recommend, highly recommend everybody watch the... Um, I thought you were going to say strongly recommend everyone do a lot of cocaine. <laughs> Coming up at a very special episode of Let's Get Weird. It's our Yeah, it's our PSA. And um, now our next sponsor... That's why international soccer is so much fun. And we haven't even mentioned hooligan firms, which can you imagine college football with hooligan firms? Well, I, I've i met the Ohio State fan base. So <laughs> hey <laughs> My wife is just throwing up the U right now. Yeah, there you go. You know, I, I would say that, but that's a good analogy. Um, I, I did, I interviewed um, this NBC executive, the guy who really, brokered the deal that got the Premier League rights to NBC. And he said he compares Premier League rivalry and fam to SEC football. I can see that, and especially since a lot of these Premier League teams are, they share a city. I mean, you have Everton and Liverpool, their stadiums are literally within sight of each other across a park. Yeah, the North London Derby, Arsenal and Tottenham. <laughs> One of the best pieces of spite I've ever seen. Have, have you heard of St. Totteringham's Day? No. Basically, it was a fan-created holiday for Arsenal fans that they celebrate every year that Arsenal clinches finishing higher in the table than Tottenham. <laughs> And the, go look it up sometime. There's an entire website dedicated to it where they would track it every year. And like, oh, this year's St. Totteringham's Day was April 17th. <laughs> oh, that's phenomenal. I and love it. There was one where they they thought it was the streak was going to die because it went like 18, 19 years in a row before Tottenham finally uh, topped in like two or three years ago. There was one where... Tottenham lost on the final day to Newcastle like 6 nothing, and Arsenal edged them out by a point on the final day of the season, and their fans were going nuts. That was, I think, I think that was the year they were, like, guaranteed to finish second. Like, they thought they were, but they just utterly collapsed at the end and fell apart. Yeah. And, yeah, they lost, like, really bad in the last couple of weeks. I think it was, I think it was the Leicester year because they – got into a draw with Chelsea and had this, the draw had this huge brawl and it. it was just massive and that eliminated them. And Tottenham had maybe two or three seasons in a row where they were the last team standing between the titleists, the last possible challenger, but they just crapped the bed down, down the stretch. So it didn't matter. That is one of the, best parts of college football. I know we get on it and whatnot, but the best part is just the spite. And when you mentioned the spite, I think we can close off with this. We have to give up. I have to give up some credit to um, the EDSBS Charity Bowl just wrapped up. That's the Everyday Should Be Saturday. 
uh, run by Spencer Hall and Holly Anderson and Jason Kirk and Ryan Nanny and a few others. Every year they raise money for New American Pathways in Atlanta, Georgia. And New American Pathways is a group that helps refugees get settled here in the United States and helps them find jobs, find housing, uh, aids them with getting citizenship and everything else. And the entire point of the EDSBS Charity Bowl is to get listeners to the Shutdown Fullcast podcast to donate money in the form of a score or to rub salt in the wounds of your rival. So, for example, this year I uh, donated, I believe it was $124.89, and the significance of that is Purdue leads the all-time basketball series with Indiana, 124-89. to (laughs) And they they actually just wrapped it up. They raised over $800,000 this year, nearly doubling their record from last year. And they said, I think they said they had 461 schools participate. Michigan by far donated the most. They always win uh, because there's just this whole network of Michigan fans and Michigan alums that come in and donate. They donated like, I think it was like $89,000 alone from Michigan. But it's great to see schools get into it and uh, battle back and forth with like I think Purdue finished 41st this year, and we lost Indiana after beating him last year. So uh, as the blog manager for Hammer and Rails, I feel a personal shame in that. But, like, Purdue still had, like, $4,000 worth of donations, which is decent for our little uh, our little corner of the Internet. So, Well, yeah, and as long as that's where the money goes and as long as everybody's donating, then that's what matters, and then everybody wins. It's it- and it's all based on spite, which is what, what is college sports without spite? Well, that's what the, you know, uh, so the NBC guy said to me, he said when he did the SEC comparison, he's, people say, oh, this is a matter of life or death. He's like, no, I assure you, it's much more than that. <laughs> I mean, that is, you know, that's the thing about if, if your team didn't win, in the Premier League, if if your team is out of it, if your rival falls, that's great too on Championship Sunday. Maybe they get relegated. Maybe they don't make the top four. Maybe they miss out on this idol. But yeah, despite what Ed Franklin doesn't Delano Rose judge me by the enemies I've made. I can see that. And Rand, indifference, not hate, is the opposite of love. Eh, I can see that. I, and that's actually, I think that that has been. Totally misattributed to Anne Rand. She didn't even come up with that, but um, I forgot who did. But um, with college football, my, la- my final thought on college football is it's always going to be the debate. That's what they want. It, it's a sport. It's it's like if first take or pardon the interruption was a sport. It's, no matter what the format is, they go to eight. Who's nine? Who's nine? Oh, number nine got screwed. They go to 16, oh, number 17. That, that's how it's always been. And that's how it's always going to be. They they want that because it's added attention. Yeah. It's unfortunate, but that's where we are. All right. And so on that lovely note, I think we can probably shut this edition of the Let's Get Weird Sports Podcast down. Uh, do we have – what are we going to leave as a teaser for our next episode? Well, I don't know if we've got enough material to do a pod on this guy, but a friend of mine – 
set up his TV in the backyard to watch the tournament when it was nice out. We were hanging out there. And then I heard some stories about the six-fingered man. Antonio Alfonseca? Antonio Alfonseca, yes. I guess if you go out there, there's an interview where Ron Santos interviewing him and he thought his name was Al Fonseca. Like he didn't realize Antonio was his name. And then they were telling me about one day he was being chased by Dale Torborg, who has like WWE connections. So Alfonseca was hiding in a closet from him. Well, didn't Antonio Alfonseca hack somebody with a machete back in uh, Venezuela? I, I don't doubt it, given... Oh, wait, that was that was uh, Triple U, Ugatharbina. Well, I, I think if we start to do a deep dive, maybe we could find something, but we may have to attach to something else. I don't know if we can do one on just him. Ho- hopefully with less murder, because like I said with uh, Leroy Keyes when he passed away earlier this week, and uh, rest in peace, Leroy, uh, Purdue legend, he was the 1968 runner-up to O.J. Simpson, and it is still the largest margin of victory, first over second place in uh, in Heisman Trophy history. However, Leroy Keys can rest that he didn't murder two people. So, well, I'm still mad that no one decided to put something into the vaccine rollout saying that people who were found liable in a civil trial for double murder in order to pay 36 million are not eligible for the vaccine. (laughs) Wow. Because that day when he was trending and it was like he showed off getting it, and I'm like, holy shit, OJ got it. I'm like, well, he is over 60 (laughs) or 65, and no one one decided to put in a no OJ clause. Oh, my. Imagine imagine if they did. Imagine if the California vaccine rollout was – there was a clause written, O.J. Simpson is last. But you let O.J. Mayo get it. Sorry. We're allowed to have one. (laughs) All right. On that note, since we've talked about – That was a fun day on Twitter.com. A lot of the people who – a lot of stabbing jokes made that day. Okay. Now that we've laughed about a double murder – well, I mean, yeah, if we weren't going to hell by the time this recorded, I think we firmly <laughs> booked our place now. Oh, yes. We should probably try to end at something a little bit more positive. Oh, yes, definitely. So, as, as you said, we'll try to touch on Antonio Alfonseca maybe, or I'm, I'm sure we'll come up with another one because sports is consistently weird out there. So, for myself, for Paul, for Otis... For Ventress, who buggered off and decided that she didn't want to be on my lap anymore. And for my wife, Liz, we do thank you for listening out there and stay weird, everybody.